welcome to Wellness Your Way. I'm your host, Megan Lyons, and I've helped thousands of people find their own way to wellness. Wellness Your Way is an extension of that work, aimed to help you find your unique path to feeling your very best. Each week, we'll go through tactical strategies you can use to improve your health, happiness, and quality of life. So grab a mug of tea or lace up your walking shoes. We're about to dive in. Hello and welcome, my friends. Because I record these a week early, I am currently in the midst of the Texas snowpocalypse, which honestly, from a personal perspective, I secretly love seeing snow outside and I love the cold weather. I love running in the snow. But honestly, there's been so much suffering this week with people without power, without water without access to basic human necessities. So I just want to take a moment and say, I hope you are well. I hope you are safe and warm. And hopefully by the time you listen to this, all this is in the past for you. Uh, But I hope you've taken care of yourself as much as possible. I'm sending you extra positive energy for this week ahead, and I hope you are able to make it the best of 2021 so far. Uh, If you're out for a walk in the snow as you're listening to this, bonus points to you. You can always take a selfie and tag me on Instagram. I love to see where you're listening to these podcasts and what you think about them. Uh, And we've got another good one for you today. First of all, coffee lovers rejoice. I have great news for you and health news you can use. I recommend then my favorite coffees in Megan Recommends. I talk about what you might not want to put in your coffee, which is milk or creamer or something like that all about the pros and the cons of dairies in the veggies of the matter. And then I answer listener Q&As about selenium, Brazil nuts, Tom Brady's diet, and olive oil. Let's dive in. It's time for health news you can use. And if you're listening to me while sipping a cup of joe, get your smile ready because I have great news for you. There's a new meta-analysis by the American Heart Association, which showed that drinking one or more cups of caffeinated coffee per day is associated with decreased heart failure risk. This isn't a new study. A meta-analysis means that researchers did additional analysis on existing data. So they take a bunch of big data sets that had been collected for other purposes, and they farm out additional insights. And one of these data sets they used is from the Framingham Heart Study, which is a very large and well-known data set that has honestly been subject to a lot of criticism. But I think in this case, the methods of what the American Heart Association did are sound. So we're going to use it for today. The analysis compared drinking zero, one, two, or three or more cups of coffee and the associated risk of heart disease. And the data showed that up to, uh, or the people who drank two or more cups of coffee per day showed up to 30% reduction in heart disease risk. That's pretty huge, up to 30% reduction in heart disease risk for those who drank two or more cups of coffee per day. Interestingly, there was no benefit, and in one study, there was actually a detriment to drinking decaf coffee. 
So at least some of this benefit is coming from the caffeine itself. It is not just the nutritional benefits of the coffee bean, uh, but actually the whole intact coffee bean with the caffeine that is providing the benefit to uh, reduce risk of heart disease here. So this is great news. For most people, it means enjoy some coffee, feel good about it, Um, probably don't go over those three-ish cups of coffee per day for most people, Uh, but in general, enjoy your coffee, feel good about it. There are three caveats that I will offer. Number one is if it interferes with your sleep, either because you're a slow caffeine metabolizer or you're drinking coffee late at night or any reason why it's interfering with your sleep, I can virtually guarantee that the benefit would be erased, that you would not um, get benefit just from drinking coffee if it's interfering with your sleep. So be sure to drink it early, ideally for most people before 2 p.m., and to stay away from it if you know you don't, don't do well with caffeine. Caveat number two is if it prevents you or prohibits you from drinking water. I always recommend one big glass of water before each cup of coffee because water is the most important, far and away more important than coffee. Uh, And so we can't just drink coffee and no water and expect to be healthy. If you can drink both, more power to you. But if you're only drinking coffee and not water, then I recommend drinking one big glass of water before each cup of coffee. And then caveat number three is if you're dealing with a cortisol imbalance or some other um, dramatic hormonal imbalance, I'm overly sensitive to this. I always bring this up because it's my personal story. But if you know you have a cortisol imbalance or you're very stressed or anxious at the moment, it's a good time to let your adrenals relax instead of pumping them with more reasons to get hyped up, which is what caffeine does. So if you are not in any of those three caveats, meaning it doesn't interfere with your sleep, you are drinking plenty of water and you don't have a cortisol imbalance and you're not overly stressed, then go ahead and pour another cup. But you might not want to add the milk. Stay tuned for Veggies of the Matter to hear why. In Megan Recommends, it's only appropriate that I talk about coffee. Last week, I actually gave you a recommendation for the coffee substitute that I cut my coffee with, which is Ticino. And I mentioned that I usually do half coffee and half Ticino to reduce my caffeine consumption. But since today we're learning about the benefits of the real deal, I wanted to share the coffee, the actual coffee that I choose to drink. And the truth is there's a ton of junk in most coffees. They are very likely to have mycotoxins, which are a compound that are created by mold that grows on coffee. I know that sounds gross, and I know you're probably thinking, oh, my coffee's not moldy, but most traditional coffee is moldy, and that mold can grow mycotoxins. Um, Research shows, in fact, that over 50% of traditional brewed coffees sold widely, sold in grocery stores, et cetera, do contain mycotoxins. So if you're feeling foggy-brained or lethargic even after your coffee, which you obviously wouldn't expect from coffee, you might want to check out your source. It's also important when possible financially and um, logistically to get organic coffee um, if if it's an option for you. So I'm going to recommend three options for coffees that I personally drink. 
If you want to grind your own beans, I think the best option is Kion, K-I-O-N. I will post a discount link that works for any Kion products, uh, but they do really good quality control. It's all organic. It's sustainable. It's fair trade. It tastes really good. It's a stronger coffee, uh, but it is very clean, very um, uh, coffee tasting. You don't taste anything else, which is how it's supposed to be. So Kion, if you want to grind your own beans. For ground coffee, I like Bulletproof. Again, I will post a link in the show notes. I like the light roast Bulletproof because I don't like super, super strong coffee, but just like Kion, it's high quality, it's organic, it's sustainable, really good ground coffee option. And then third, for an afternoon pick-me-up, I like Four Sigmatic's Think Coffee, which has lion's mane and chaga. And if you listen to a previous episode on adaptogens, you'll know that these can be helpful with cognition and clearing up brain fog. They're great adaptogenic herbs that are uh, supportive of your brain. So this is an organic instant coffee. I just add it to hot water, which if I only have two minutes between clients, I can turn on my uh, electric tea kettle, brew up some hot water, dump in a packet of Four Sigmatics Think Coffee, and it only has 50 milligrams caffeine, which I actually appreciate in the afternoon One cup, one small cup of traditional coffee has 85 milligrams. So uh, honestly, most people brew more than a small cup. This is less than half of um, one normal sized cup for most people. And I appreciate that in the afternoon. Um, For this Four Sigmatic Think Coffee, you can use code LIONS, L-Y-O-N-S, for 10% off on the Four Sigmatic website. And I will post a link to the exact one that I choose in the show notes. It's time for the veggies of the matter, and if you've gotten your coffee ready and you're about to put in your milk, now is the time to listen up. Is it actually healthy? Is dairy all that it's cut out to be or has been cut out to be in the past? If you're around my age, you probably remember those milk, it does a body good commercials or got milk commercials. Um, We had those milk mustaches. They were... convincing most of America that consuming dairy was critical to our best health and that if you didn't drink drink milk, there was going to be something wrong with you. Today, on the other hand, there are dairy-free alternatives everywhere on the store shelf. People are experimenting with removing dairy from their diet altogether. I actually guide people to do this during my 10-day reset, so uh, we'll get to that, but I do think that's a, a good experiment to run. And at the same time, Greek yogurt is touted as a healthy breakfast. There are also keto enthusiasts putting cheese on everything. So how do we even make sense of this? It's a bit overwhelming. Today, I'm going to give you the rundown of the benefits and the drawbacks of including dairy in your diet, and I will help you answer the question, is dairy healthy for me? So the benefits of consuming dairy. For a really long time, drinking milk and consuming dairy was considered an important part of being healthy in the U.S., and the USDA is still recommending three cups per day of low-fat and fat-free dairy. 
I don't want to be a pessimist, but if you listened to last week ep- last week's episode, you know that I don't place a ton of credence in the government's nutrition recommendation, um, and that tons, over $6 million was spent by dairy lobbyists in 2017. That's the most recent figure I found, but I am very sure that that trend is continuing. So the government um, can be pretty slow to catch up to modern nutrition science. I don't buy it just because the government says drink three cups a day of low-fat or fat-free milk. However, there are also a handful, a large handful of traditional nutrition experts like Sally Fallon, who wrote Nourishing Traditions, which is a book I love, and the Weston A. Price Foundation, which has done some interesting research. They will advocate consuming raw full fat, unpasteurized dairy because of its rich nutrient, protein, and healthy fat content. It also has tons of uh, digestive enzymes and uh, beneficial bacteria. There are lots of benefits of raw, full fat, unpasteurized dairy. Um, And I will post to a link of a blog post that I wrote all about dairy, which has tons of resources that you can um, read up more on any of these sides. Uh, Another potential positive for dairy, the impact on heart disease risk is hotly debated. The USDA and more of the old school health recommendations suggest that full fat dairy increases the risk of heart disease since it contains saturated fat, which we talked a bit about last week. Uh, But more recent studies are showing a benefit of consuming full fat dairy. One study showed that those who consumed more full-fat dairy had 69% lower risk of death from heart disease, and another one showed reduced risk of heart disease and stroke for those who consumed grass-fed full-fat dairy. Uh, There was even a study released in 2018 that confirmed the correlation between consuming more dairy and having a lower risk of cardiovascular disease and mortality. So there are plenty of studies that would show benefit to consuming dairy in its most natural form, full fat, um, and ideally raw when that's available. Uh, But there are also plenty of drawbacks of consuming dairy. Primarily, most conventional dairy contains hormones and antibiotics. Bovine growth hormone is often abbreviated RBGH. um, So you might see no RBGH, which is a great thing, or um, no mention of that, which means there's RBGH and antibiotics as well. They use these hormones and antibiotics to keep the cows infection-free in very crowded conditions. If you've ever seen a um, uh, a cattle feed lot, I'm not sure that's what you call it, but that's what it looks like to me, it's actually quite sad. It smells very bad. They're all in incredibly crowded, inhumane conditions. Um, and you can understand why they would need to be pumped full of hormones and antibiotics to stay healthy in those conditions. So if we consume antibiotics once or growth hormone once, like no problem, honestly. If you, if I went to someone's house and they served me their prized possession or their, their dessert that they spent so much time on that contained conventional dairy, would I eat it once? Yes, I would. But over time, high intake of this can really mess with our body's own hormone levels and it can contribute to antibiotic resistance, which is a growing problem here in the U.S. and worldwide. 
Um, another reason, another potential drawback is that dairy is highly inflammatory for most people. Most of us are already dealing with chronic inflammation. This can lead to bloating and gas and constipation, diarrhea, acne, several other issues, and um, dairy can contribute to it, especially conventional dairy can contribute to it. Dairy is also acid forming in our bodies. Our bodies like to maintain a neutral pH. The actual tissue or the actual level varies based on the tissue. Your urine has a different pH than your blood, has a different pH than your heart, et cetera. Um, but in general, it likes to maintain a uh, neutral pH and a very specific set of uh, or a very specific range of pH depending on the tissue. But milk, when it's consumed, alters the pH to be slightly more acidic, which means that your body has to compensate for that to bring it back to neutral by leaching minerals, calcium, magnesium, phosphorus from your bones. This means that high consumption of dairy may actually cause more risk for bone fractures. I know. What in the world is she saying? We've always heard calcium is in milk. Milk does a body good. But if we look into the science of it, because it's acid forming, it might leach the calcium from our bones to preserve the pH of our body, which means that high consumption of dairy may cause more risk of bone fractures. We'll talk about calcium again in a minute. Um, other potential draw drawbacks, low-fat and fat-free dairy, which are most recommended, they spike insulin much more than would be expected by their sugar content. I'm all about keeping blood sugar stable, so this raises a little red flag for me. Cheese, interestingly, releases these feel-good hormones to the brain that lead us cra to crave more. So if you ever think once you start, you can't stop with the cheese, you're actually right. There's a biological reason for this. It is uh, addictive in our brains. And then a couple other reasons, um, one being that humans are the only species that drink the milk of other animals, which just kind of gives you a little pause. Cow's milk is meant to grow baby calves into big cows. Um, and, and some people can consider this unnatural. And then the last potential drawback is that up to 75% of people have some form of lactose intolerance, meaning their bodies stop producing lactase, which is the enzyme that helps digest lactose, which is in milk. So even if you're not just like bolting to the restroom right after consuming dairy, your body is likely having a tough time breaking it down, which can lead to a little bit of mild bloating or an inability to absorb the nutrients you're consuming. So there we have it, several potential benefits, several potential drawbacks. What's the bottom line? Bottom line, in my opinion, is that most of us are not consuming fresh dairy straight from the grass-fed cows raised without hormones or antibiotics. If you are and you don't have any bloating or indigestion, I say go for it. If not, though, I believe most Americans are consuming more dairy than is healthy for their bodies. So if you are in that latter camp, you're not getting dairy fresh from your grass-fed free-range cows, I recommend trying a dairy elimination for two weeks. If you're open to it, just take out dairy altogether for two weeks. Then reintroduce it, see how you feel. If you feel bloated or you break out or you have any negative symptoms, it's likely a sign that your body doesn't love dairy. And if you don't have any negative symptoms or you don't want to do the elimination and you're just going to consume it anyway, I recommend trying to switch your purchases to organic so they don't contain hormones or antibiotics. At the end of the day, consuming a little bit of dairy here and there is no big deal for most people. 
But consuming three or more servings per day every day, like the government recommends, is likely too much. I know for me personally, having a little bit of dairy once or twice a week is fine, but if I start overdoing it, I become bloated pretty quickly. Um, So I know my limits, I know my body, and I do my best to stay within the limits of what makes me feel really great. A couple more notes on this. If you uh, do want to uh, consider reducing dairy, but you're concerned about your bone health, we've been taught that we need to have dairy to keep our calcium stores high to keep our bones strong. But like I mentioned, research really casts doubt on that. There is a huge cross-cultural study on the topic that shows that countries whose residents consumed more dairy actually had a higher risk of hip fractures. It is crazy to think that we've been told wrong the whole time, but I do believe that over-consuming dairy can be negative for your bone health. In fact, the calcium from vegetables is even better absorbed by your body, Um Calcium from vegetables has an average absorption rate of 50% or higher versus 32% for milk. And there are tons of vegetables, particularly green leafy vegetables like broccoli, Brussels sprouts, collard greens, mustard greens, turnip greens, kale, chard. All of these are great sources of calcium. Also canned fish, tofu, almonds, oranges, figs, sesame seeds, soy products if you do that. Those are all great sources of calcium. Um, so if you're loading up on vegetables, as I recommend, you can easily get enough calcium without turning to dairy. Last thing is dairy-free alternatives. There are several tempting varieties out there, uh, and several of them are not so healthy. So I will always recommend that you look for shorter, cleaner ingredient lists. Um, a couple of my favorite brands, I like Nut Pods for coffee creamer. I like Kite Hill. I like Mykonos, Califia Farms, Daya, so delicious. I will post a link to the blog post, which contains all of my favorite dairy-free substitutes in the show notes. So all you have to do is go to that blog post, go to the end of that blog post. There's a whole list of dairy-free substitutes with links to the specific products that I recommend. Hope that helps and hope you'll consider trying a dairy elimination. It's time for listener Q&A. We have two wonderful options sent in from Lydia and sent in from my mom. I know we had Kevin a few weeks ago. We have my mom this week. It's a family affair. But first, we'll get to Lydia's questions. She says, what is selenium and why do we need it? She saw that I mentioned Brazil nuts. Selenium is an essential mineral, which means that your body doesn't make it. It must come from diet. And we only need a little bit of it, but because it's in so few foods, it's really common as a deficiency. And what it does in our bodies, it helps reduce oxidative stress. Oxidative stress is caused by inflammation, inflammatory foods, emotional stress, over-exercising, over-drinking alcohol. Um, Lots of different things will cause oxidative stress, and selenium helps reduce that. It's also really important for thyroid health. Your thyroid contains more selenium than any other organ in your body. Um, And people who suffer from Hashimoto's, there's great research on um, their symptoms improving when they increase selenium. It can protect against mental decline, heart disease, a lot more. But the real reason I've been recommending it over the past year is because of its importance for the immune system. 
There is a lot of research on people who were deficient in selenium having adverse reactions to retroviruses like Ebola, HIV, avian flu, et cetera. And so even though there's not research yet to ensure that it will protect against coronavirus or support recovery from coronavirus, I feel safe in recommending that people consume one to two Brazil nuts per day. One to two Brazil nuts per day contain adequate selenium, and the selenium in Brazil nuts is even better absorbed than the selenium from a supplement. Um, so even though we are not for sure that it helps from or that helps with coronavirus, I feel confident in recommending that. There's very, 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 very little to zero risk of consuming one to two Brazil nuts per day. The worst thing, in my opinion, is that they're not the most tasty nut. Um, the other caveat is that you can overdose. So I would not overdose because I don't love them. Uh, but if you eat the equivalent of like 10 plus Brazil nuts every day, consistently day after day for months and months, then you could have a selenium overdose. So, um, stick to one to two per day. That's a, that's a great amount that'll top off your selenium stores and support your immune system, your thyroid health and more. All right. Now to mom's question. Mom asks, why is Tom Brady vegan and why does he avoid olive oil? Well, mom, I love Tom Brady. We are big Tampa Bay Buccaneers fans over here in the Lions household. And if you don't know, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers just won the Super Bowl led by Tom Brady, their amazing quarterback. Tom Brady has gotten a lot of attention about his diet and a lot of misinformation also. And unfortunately, mom has fallen prey to some of this misinformation uh, because Tom Brady is not vegan and he does not avoid olive oil. I'm going to talk a little bit about his diet. Um, He says decidedly that he's not vegan. He just emphasizes that 80% of his meals are vegetables, which obviously I would recommend as well. He eats a ton of vegetables. He eats particularly a ton of leafy greens, and I think this goes a long way towards his health. Um, So basically his day looks like this. He publishes this on his website, which I'll link to in the show notes. He drinks an electrolyte water first thing which I've recommended here on Wellness Your Way before. He has a big smoothie with fruit, nuts, seeds, and protein. He uses protein powder and almond milk after his workout. So I think the smoothie's before the workout. Then the protein powder, again, is after the workout. Then for lunch, he has a big piece of fish or meat with a large plate of veggies. Then for snacks, he has nuts, seeds, two to three more protein shakes, and bone broth. Uh, And then he has a repetition of lunch for dinner. So you'll see he's actually consuming a lot of protein, which I would recommend for someone working out so much. He just prefers to get most of it from protein powder and to only have two servings, two big servings, he says, of meat or fish per day. Um, He is also getting in tons of healthy fats from nuts and seeds, which is great. And he does consume olive oil. He just doesn't cook with it or he doesn't direct his chef to cook with it uh, because the smoke point is low. So I will link to a blog post I wrote on which oils to use for cooking if the smoke point is a new topic for you. Uh, But basically, we like to use a higher heat oil like avocado oil, coconut oil, et cetera, for cooking because it does not oxidize. And olive oil is better used for drizzling on salads, things like that. So Tom Brady does that same thing. 
Um, what Tom Brady doesn't eat often gets a lot of press, but honestly, I recommend to most people start with what he does eat. What I just said, a big plate of veggies, meat as a compliment, plenty of protein through the day, plenty of healthy fat, all of that, that's going to get you super far. Uh, but because people will ask, the veggies he doesn't eat are what's called nightshades, which are tomatoes, potatoes, eggplant, and peppers. And I do believe that if you've gone through every single other step and you're not consuming alcohol or sweets or gluten or dairy or anything else inflammatory, and you still want to go a step further, then it's fine to experiment with nightshades. But if you're eating the standard American diet, I promise the pepper isn't the problem. Start with the chips and candy, add in a ton of veggies, and then way down the road, worry about nightshades. Hope that provides a little bit of insights into Tom Brady's diet and go Bucks. It's time for your call to action, and your call to action this week is to consider testing out dairy for two weeks. I know it can seem hard, but in the grand scheme of things, two weeks is not much time, and it's so worth it to see if your body is tolerating dairy and honestly how great you might feel without it. So don't overcomplicate it. Don't try to get substitutes for everything. Just choose a start date, make a note on your calendar of when it ends, and choose other foods that are not dairy-based. You'll want to reintroduce dairy really intentionally. So don't just put a tiny sprinkle of cheese somewhere. When you reintroduce after two weeks, actually have a glass of milk or a bowl of ice cream or something like that. This will really help you see if it's an issue. If you need any product substitute recommendations, head over to the blog post that's linked in the show notes. And if you need further, DM me on Instagram. I'm at the lion share, T-H-E-L-Y-O-N-S-S-H-A-R-E, and I'll be happy to help out. Good luck with your trial elimination. Thanks for listening to another episode of Wellness Your Way with Megan Lyons. I always love connecting with listeners, so be sure to follow me on social media. And don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts so you don't miss brand new episodes each week. If you love Wellness Your Way, please leave us a rating and review. I appreciate it so much. Stay well, and I'll be back next week. The Wellness Your Way podcast is provided for information only and should not be misconstrued as medical advice. Please consult with your physician or otherwise qualified practitioner on any matters regarding your health and well-being or on any opinions expressed within this podcast or the LionShare website.